Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 246 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, as, uh, you know, regular listeners are aware, you're not on the socials. You're really not on the internet. So what I did this week is I asked people to send me questions knowing that you wouldn't be able to see them. Well, I am on the internet. I'm just... Right, but just not the social web. Yeah, I would I would classify my internet usage like that. And I try to stay away from news stuff. All right. So the first one uh, is a very simple one. And I, I also made it clear that you would be completely honest in these answers. So if Apple made a UFO, Angelo, would you <laughs> save up and buy one? Would Siri be driving it? Also, what features would the UFO need to have in order for you to want to buy the UFO? Okay, it would have to have like no buttons or anything, right? We're we're right. away. We're afraid of buttons if it's Apple stuff. So just perfectly flat glass interface. Um, I was worried going to say audio only because then what if what if the enemy karate chops you? Right? No. If you if I sat in the, in the if I sat in the cockpit, you'd have to be able to see my eyes, just like in Vision Pro. Right. I would need it to have five G. Five G. I'm talking. Oh, okay. Do better. 13G, man. No, no. At least 5G, like the iPhone. Oh, at least 5G. Okay, I see. 5G. Um, Apple Silicon. Silicon? Right, Silicon, not Silicon. Yeah. I have a Silicon case for my phone. I have Apple Silicon in the phone. I don't know in if people phone. realize the the differentiation there. Silicon versus Between the silicone. texture and what's in yeah. the chips? One's a, a material for chips. The other's a different type of like rubbery material. Right. More often than not, it's also used for, for breast implants. Too, right? Yeah, it's not silicon breast implants because then those <laughs> would be like really expensive but what you're so okay so uh, so an um, apple ufo would have to be white right like there's white. no like the original one that comes out would be only like a white ufo right and I titanium want the midnight black now it's the titanium. Midnight black right no it'd be space what shape gray. is it no what it has shape to be, brian it? you get this all wrong it's space gray like it's the best use of that color would be for a ufo but okay yes so what shape is the ufo taking what shape, what form factor is, is Apple kind of operating on? So flat sides, curved edges. Of course. Okay. Um, I'm picturing like a flat uh, Gen 6 sort of iPod. Like a little thick, little thick boy, like a thick yeah. rectangle, but with like curved sides for ease of flight. And of course made of titanium, right? Yeah, of course. Like no... For swinging at your enemies when you're off world. Does it run... On iClouds. I don't know how that works. Okay. You can hide in the iCloud with it. <laughs> you could, absolutely. Multiple I mean, clouds. that was the UFO and Nope was an iCloud. <laughs> I mean, technically, yes. Yeah. I had the weirdest... Wait, so speaking of iPhones and UFOs, yes. last weekend I had the weirdest dream that I was outside and I saw the most amazing, like, weird rectangular-shaped UFO that was sort of morphing into different shapes and there were fighter jets approaching it and guess what brian i pulled out my phone with my five time zoom and it would not take a picture mm, i wonder why angelo is it perhaps because this is as i like to claim roswell tech right a tech derived grandfather from from the roswell incident and its wreckage i was just really frustrated in that dream because i became one of those people that can't get a picture of the ufo they claim to see right all right, question number two for you, Angelo. Close your eyes. Mm -hmm. I am going to list off two. Oh, he is actually closing his eyes. Perfect. Two types of products, Angelo. Toilet paper and soap. If you had to choose, which would you give up forever and which would you keep? 
I'd keep soap. I actually would agree with that. Because you can, like, wash yourself after. Correct. Like, if you don't have soap, I mean, like, other animals don't need toilet paper. I mean, yeah, sure. So I would say, yeah, I would, I mean, you'd go before shower every time, right? You'd have to, like, arrange to make sure your schedule's on point. Also, what about, you know, um, bidets, right? Yeah, that's not off off the limits for this, right? No. Okay, perfect. Exactly. And coming from an Italian household, I actually grew I up with say, a bidet. So. Much more comfortable in that way, right? All right, last question for this round, Angelo. Uh, would you rather be abducted by aliens for 24 hours or trapped in an actually haunted house for the same amount of time? Oh. Now, it depends on the intentions of the haunted house and of the aliens, right? Because uh, both let us would be kind of evil cool. for both. Oh, let's evil say evil for, for both. both. Because I feel it'd be unfair to say go hang out with the nice aliens and then go hang out in the uh, super crappy haunted haunted house, right? I feel I like would it just, say, so I it's an the haunted house. I think because would you really? Yeah. That's earthly. Yeah, like I'm dealing okay, with earth, earth ghosts, earth poltergeists, earth with earth issues and earth quarrels right. with me. Whereas the aliens, right. I don't know where they're coming from. Literally, I kind of like that idea though. Like the literally, like the evil you know versus the evil you don't kind of thing, right? Because you know the poltergeists. Get, uh, ghosts and other fa- forms like you know of of paranormal evil yeah. that may exist in the world would be uh much you're you're knowing who they are more or less versus who knows what's gonna happen to you up there right you could come back and have like a perfectly um square chunk a cube of, of something got taken out of you right we don't know what we don't know where i watched recently no one will save you and uh which i think we're gonna do next week actually so let's not talk about that yeah but i i just want to say like Whenever I say let's save it for an episode, you never want to save it for an episode. Okay. it's I I want to say that. We're going to talk about it next week. There we go. Save. <laughs> Before we launch in to the uh, main topic of the evening, I just wanted to catch up because last week we didn't have an episode. I threw up a bonus episode that you did not know was coming out. I decided to put together a list of fun, weird stuff on Tubi that isn't necessarily the best, but it exists. I love that I was surprised by the episode. And today at Sunday lunch, talking to my nephew... He's a big fan of Tubi, and he was. He said he was watching uh, "I Spit on Your Grave" two and then three, and he loves Tubi oh, nice. because it auto goes into the next. Uh, right, movie. Uh, there's like a whole bunch of those. So "I Spit on Your Grave" is one of the most um, savage revenge movies of all time. I don't know if you know what it's about, Angelo. No, but it's on Tubi, and it's Halloween time, so I'm gonna. Probably so there's also the remake, it. right? So it may be the remake two and three, maybe. Um, so this is the thing, right? So it's a revenge movie. A woman gets violated and then goes after her tormentors. And there is a theory, and I want you to pull up the... If you just go ahead to Google and type in, I spit on your grave, okay? And then hit images. And then there should be one that's, like, older, right? That uh, kind of looks like uh, like the original one from the late 70s? Yeah, okay, the IMDb. So allegedly, that is Demi Moore on the cover. How could that be Demi Moore if it's 1978? That's right. It's one of her first acting gigs, apparently. So Interesting. Uh, I can't remember if it's true or not, so I'm going to have to do a little bit of research. I will uh, have to report back. But anyways, all that to say, uh, during that weekend, I actually got to meet Rob from Our Strange Eyes, which was awesome and unexpected. Rob and I, and you technically too, all live pretty close to each other, so I decided to drive down. We had lunch. We went to the mall. We went to buy some books. Good times were had. I'm really, really super glad I got to meet Rob. It was cool, and we're definitely going to hang out in the future. You told me somebody asked you an interesting question when you bought a book. What question was that? Do you listen to podcasts? 
Uh, it's weird, right? It's like I met someone at IRL who asked me if I like podcasts. Then they have a podcast, which I'll link to right here. It's uh, the Devil's Dirt Star. And yeah, I got to meet one of the two co-hosts who pitched me because I went into the used bookstore looking for esoteric books. Ellie, who's one of the two co-hosts of the Devil's Dirt Star podcast, as I was at the cash, she said, you know what? Not a lot of people ask about this. Do you listen to podcasts? And then so we ended up having a whole conversation about our respective podcasts. And I listened to a bunch of episodes. What's really funny good. is that you were there meeting a friend you've made and that's the whole point i made podcasting right like, that's, that's the whole point yeah. i was making i was like i'm actually in plattsburgh new york to meet someone that i'm podcast friends with in real life who you become friends exactly it's i i still think back to the first time i heard rob on a podcast that it's just weird that we've all become friends all these years later but you a lesser friend because you refuse to cross the border look we can't talk about why i can't cross the border <laughs> right after your uh disney mishap let's okay let us move on then Double density. Let's do installment seven of revisiting coast to coast. And this one, Angelo, we talk about remote viewing. Dr. Ed Dames. Is it doctor? It's not doctor. No, I guess Dr. it's Dr. Doom, Doom, Major Ed Dames. And I was all excited. I thought this was going to be a Fantastic Four episode. It is uh, unfortunately not. <sighs> okay. So let us start, right? Let's pretend that you know nothing about remote viewing, right? So I've put together a bit of a descriptor on what remote viewing is okay. for anyone who's not well aware, even though we've talked about it. I uh, early last year tried to learn Ed Dames' remote viewing program. It was a bust. Anyways, remote viewing is a psychic phenomenon that involves individuals attempting to gather information about a distant or unseen target using their innate Mental abilities. Participants, often referred to as remote viewers, employ structured techniques to transcend the, the constraints of space and time and access information beyond their immediate sensory perception. This process typically involves entering a relaxed meditative state and mentally projecting themselves to the target location or event. Remote viewing, as you're well aware, Angelo, has a controversial subject of research with proponents claiming it is highly effective in obtaining accurate and verifiable information. Uh, while skeptics often attribute its success to chance or subjective interpretation. Would you agree with that description? You had a hard time getting through that without trying to laugh because... Uh, there was two or three... Yeah. yeah. Remote viewing is... Do we want to say... No, we don't want to use the word ridiculous because I think like the military actually did put time and effort into thinking this might work when they were just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what was sticking during the Cold War. But... This doesn't okay, work. so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, Project Stargate. Let's talk about Major Ed Games. This right? is so who Major he is. Ed Games, renowned as the world's foremost remote viewer, began his career as a major in the U.S. Army, a key figure in the top secret uh, Project Stargate. Aimed uh, so Stargate aimed at utilizing remote viewing for intelligence purposes. He gained recognition for his remarkable, quote unquote, remarkable remote viewing skills, claiming the ability to perceive events, people, and locations distant from his physical presence with uncanny mm-hmm. accuracy. Through his many public appearances, such as the episode of Coast to Coast we're about to talk about, and proclamations of the end times, he earned the nickname of Dr. Doom by his detractors, right? Because he is focused on bad news. That's me editorializing at the end. Oh, okay. But he really is. And this, the, the crux of this Coast to Coast episode we've listened to this week is his proclamation about the kill shot. I had no idea what this was going into the episode. I didn't know anything about the kill shot. I may have heard of it, but I didn't really have an inkling as to what it was. Right now. And now you do right now I do. And 
So why do we do this? Why do we save the surprise of the kill shot? We'll go through the episode as things appear. And then we can talk about kill shots, supposed kill shots, the actual kill shot, which I'll explain later on. And so, yeah, Dr. Doom is here. The Honorable Dr. Doom will be here. It is never boring. Maybe many things, but boring it never is. These episodes of Coast to Coast are, are much more than just the guest, too. So It's the vibes, right? A lot, yeah, a lot gets talked about be- before the guest comes on, sometimes after the guest, although he kept at Dame, so the, the whole episode. Yeah. So, so this is an episode uh, uh, from July 17th, 2004, so it opens with an hour of open lines, and then uh, uh, two and a half more hours of, of Dr. Ed Deems after that, three hours, actually, technically. Is this our post-90s, first post-90s episode? It is indeed our first post-90s yes. event. Okay. So yeah, 2004, talking about uh, magnetic shifts, right? Polar shifts. The collapse of the Earth's magnetic field. New York Times stuff, folks. Which both guards the planet and guides many of its creatures appears to have started in earnest about 150 years ago. The New York Times is planning to report on page one. Angela, what is a pole reversal? Well, this is something that, like, you know, this, along with quicksand, used to scare children uh, in the 80s. <laughs> what, did your parents actually discuss the pole shift of no, no, how no. screwed the, the world is going to be if the north and southern poles switched places magnetically? No. no, but I remember people talking about it at school. No. Teachers sometimes would bring it up because they heard it in pop culture, right? And they may they may have brought it up during science that we're in the middle of a polar, of a polar shift, which... Has that happened? Is it happening? The science I've heard of from more reputable experts in this say that, yeah, it's, it possibly happens, but over the course of 10,000 years, and you don't really notice it. It's, it's not something that instantaneously changes everything in the world. Yeah, it's more of a gradual kind of shift, not a literal moment, like a, a, an on-off switch being hit, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with that. So No, it doesn't. And now also, at this time, Art brings up the weird weather. But I feel like weird weather is something he talks about in every All episode we've listened to. I mean, listen, like he's the basis for the reason why The Day After Tomorrow exists, right? The, the Global Oncoming Superstorm, his book with Willie Strieber, um, does set the stage for this. And that was written years before this. Did they credit him for that? Uh, the uh, they did, if you look at the credits, for sure. Okay, I, don't, I, I haven't seen that movie in ages. So I wonder if he got some, uh, some kickbacks from that. I mean, not necessarily kickbacks, but I assume there's some kind of legitimate money that he okay. received. <laughs> well, let's talk about famous people, though. Let's talk about Stephen Hawking for a sec. Stephen Hawking, the gall of this man to go back on his word <laughs> and, you know, correct himself, which is what scientists are supposed to do. That, that's the thing that got me with art really almost sounding... Uh, like it was a big deal and being triumphant that, oh, see, the scientist can't even get his black hole straight. No, this is like complicated stuff and things can change. And that's the whole point of science is that a scientist, what separates the, a good scientist from a bad one is one that can say, oh, I was wrong about this. This is actually what we understand now. Yeah, he also brings up uh, Michio Kaku, who is a frequent Coast to Coast AM guest. Um, he's written several books, right? He's an astrophysicist who's covered a, a lot of things. He also talks a lot about things like zero energy and string field theory. Yeah, Kaku like uh, sort of straddles the line between like a really sciencey scientist and woo-woo scientist. I like him yeah. because of that. <laughs> yeah, I agree that there's a mix between the two. 
I, I do like him, though, because he seems sincere and he does know what he's talking about, although yeah. he gets misquoted a lot by believers and stuff like that. It's true. And then, of course, uh, I'm going to play an ad here for something Art heard that it made me kind of laugh a bit. It made Art laugh, too. The Acme Time Machine Company. This is to introduce you to the Acme Time Machine. On March 3rd of 2020, we will start producing our machine... And we'll do so until June 23rd of 2041. We will sell these machines in units of two for safety reasons. In the rare case, one should give trouble. These machines are fully guaranteed, and we will repair them free if they're shipped to us during the time we are in business. Of course, the fact that you travel with a spare... They're each only the size of a medium suitcase and weigh about 20 pounds each means that many reasons for repair will be eliminated with common sense. For instance, if one is left where it is trampled by a dinosaur, one has only to use a spare to go back when it was left. Time travel, Angelo. An endless uh, topic for debate. Well, time is endless. And wasn't there a movie sort of about this, like uh, um, something about guarantees? Oh, yeah. With uh, Safety Not Guaranteed or something Safety like Not Guaranteed, yeah. With the guy from New Girl. That's right. One of the two brothers, right? I think so. Yeah, Mark Duplass. Oh, okay. Right? The Duplass him. brothers, they made a bunch of movies, but they're yeah. also actors. Yeah. Um, Mark Duplass, of course, was also in Creep. I don't know if you saw Creep. By Radiohead? <laughs> or by no. some telepilots? Uh, neither. But that is good. That's a good guess, Angela. I'm proud of you. Anyways, all that to say, we then move into talking about UFOs. And uh, by the way, like... I was thinking of Jake Johnson, but he's also... Oh, you're thinking of Jake Johnson, right? Okay. Yes. Oh, right. Sorry. One of the Duplass brothers was in uh, The Mindy Project. That's what I was thinking about. Not New Girl. Aubrey Plaza no, exactly. is in this, though? I should watch it because yeah. I like Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. It was a good movie. Lots of good people in this, actually. So Yeah. Anyways, back to UFOs. Back to talking about polar shifts. Polar shifts and UFOs, are they interrelated or not quite sure? Are UFOs calling, causing the polar shift? Are they attracted to us because they will see a polar shift and they get excited about that? Who knows what aliens get excited about? No one knows. And then, of course, you know, it's post-2001, so here's a little bit of 9-11 talk. Uh, with U.S. officials highly placed, secret or otherwise, orchestrating the death of thousands of Americans, the airplanes crashing into the buildings, and then the Pentagon with another attempt at maybe the White House, who knows. And I want to know how and who, who you think orchestrated this from inside. Well, I think that elements within the... Basically, the, the petrochemical community. The, the, the petrochemical, the oil company. Yes, I do. I think that if you take a look at, at the history of, uh, say, uh, the Rockefeller family, the Mellon family, uh, you know, the Gettys, that these people have been running America behind the scenes for at least the past 150 years. And, um, and, you know, and the, motive, the motive for doing this? Well, I think the motive for doing this, if, interesting enough, if you take a look at uh, the oil companies, is just basically control of of the oil. In fact, if you look at Thomas Gold's work, he's a, a Cornell professor. How do you think the oil companies talked these men into destroying their own lives uh, for, for oil? Well, I don't think it's a matter of, of talking people into uh, 
into doing that. It well, you had to talk to people of, into doing it because they did it, sir. They took their own lives. Well, you know, I think that if you take a look at the MK Ultra program, or, or especially right now we're, ah, we're having... so we did it by mind control. Yeah, you know, you can definitely mind control people into, uh, into doing uh, that. I mean, yes. look at the suicide bombers. Uh-huh. Angela, mind control. Mind control in order to control the oil. Art was uh, not having any about this guy. No. No, he was not happy about that. Because at the, you know... Uh, mind control is a really easy scapegoat to use Holograms when too. talking about this, right? But, uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a straight up no for me. Was it, uh, I always forget, is it Hoagland that brought up the, uh, holograms and stuff like that? Yes. Okay. I'm sure Art was not pleased with, uh, Hoagland's hypothesis. No, no, he was not. And then, of course, there's the, uh, issue of degrading quality in the communication devices that we use. To the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes. My gosh. Uh, what are you calling from? I'm calling from a cell phone, but uh, we're getting bad, bad reception tonight. It looks like. Yeah, it's not bad. It's unairable, sir. We can't put them on the air. I'm sorry. Oh, what's happened to our telephone system? If Art was alive today, he'd be very upset. Although oh, he'd get heated. I feel like cell phones are significantly better now. And if you're on a cell phone calling from home, you're more often than not on Wi-Fi calling. Yes, that is correct. So it's a little bit of a better quality. Yeah. In theory. Have you ever heard the difference in quality, though, when, for example, you do a FaceTime audio call versus a regular cell phone call? I was told the FaceTimes are much superior. Significantly. It's... It's pretty much how we sound now. It's this type of protocol, right? Where because of our, our quality of microphones we're using, we sound really good. This sounds so much better than a phone call. So it's the same type of thing. Whereas a cell phone, yeah. the cell quality is this, not that much better than what we had 15 years ago. No, that's correct. It's, it's continual, right? So it's kind of annoying. So I, I agree with Art, but man, he really hates cell phones. But the thing is, as we'll find out later, he hates regular phones too. Angela, he hates all phones. I mean, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, the, uh, the idea of Occam's razor gets brought up. I generally, you know, Occam's razor, huh? I mean, what seems most likely, it's not always going to be the answer, but it's the most likely. And of course, then... We're introduced to Ed Dames. Dr. Doom, actually, Major Ed Dames, the world's foremost remote viewing teacher, Major, uh, Major Edward A. Dames, Major U.S. Army retired, is a decorated military intelligence officer and an original member of the U.S. Army prototype remote viewing training program. He served as the training and operations officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency's Psychic Intelligence Collection Unit currently serves as Executive Director for the Matrix Intelligence Agency, a private consulting group. And get this, Ed is a technical consultant for the feature film Suspect Zero and, in fact, plays the role of an FBI remote viewing instructor in the movie as well. So the context by which Ed Deems enters this episode is because he was a technical director and also acted in a 2004 thriller called Suspect Zero. And Angelo, because I do not let things go, I watched Suspect Zero last night. I think I watched this not long it after it came out. Aaron Eckhart, Ben Kingsley, and Carrie Ann Moss. And basically, it's like a 
all of the worst tendencies in a movie when you're trying to emulate Seven. And Seven hadn't come out too long before this. Uh, Late six, 90s. seven years prior, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it was a brutally bad watch that made no sense at several times. And the ironic thing is, if Ed Dames thought this was a good vehicle for remote viewing, it is not. So here's a spoiler, guys. Ben Kingsley plays a um, someone who is in a Stargate project-like project within the military who goes off, um, kind of loses his mind, and starts hunting serial killers for the cops. With... His Without the help powers. of Aaron Eckhart or Karen Moss, who are FBI people trailing him, trying to get him before he kills again. Okay. So he's sort of like a Dexter. <clears throat> sort of, but way weirder. And that, like, he goes into, like, so when we describe remote viewing, we talked about going into meditative states, but he has, um, what I think are like Ed Dames cassette tapes playing while he's doing these really elaborate drawings of things right and it seems like remote viewing doesn't actually work the way it does in the movie and then once again like using remote viewing to hunt serial killers i don't know is uh, sorry not just hunt but kill serial killers um i don't know if this is like a really great justification for remote viewing or good use case necessarily no it's using it for murder so yes. I wonder what Ben Kingsley actually thought of Ed Dane. It was money, right? He was kind of in a fallow period there, right? This is pretty um, kind of the uptick on things. So I think that like late 90s, early 2000s, Ben Kingsley was just collecting money. And then, of course, we get – so yeah, so the movie was a total mess. It was a waste of an hour and a half. Yeah, um, it, and there's a connection here to earlier in the episode, right? Because Aaron Eckhart is in it and he was in the core, which is about the magnetic field reversing. Right, which gets talked about during the open lines part of the first Later hour. on, yeah, but – yeah. As I was listening to that, I'm like, the core. Hey, perfect. Yeah. Magnetic fields. There we go. How do they work? And then, so, of course, in classic fashion, uh, Art gives his audience a warning. But do be warned, what we're going to discuss is not for the faint of heart and probably not for children. I don't know how I feel about those warnings, right? Because obviously, like, I, you know, and we've talked about Art being kind of a, an audio carnival barker, right? The idea here being that he just sort of... Let's the uh, audience make up their minds on, on the guests, right? So he feels like Ed Dames is an entertaining guest. Of course, this is why he is nicknamed Dr. Doom and because of his really uh, dire predictions over and over, several which we'll cover later on in the episode. But just, it ain't happening, Chief. No. Do you get the feeling that Art doesn't really like Ed Dames? Or just, he mildly tolerates him or is easily annoyed by him. He's like the friend that bothers him. Can we save that question for later on? Because oh, I have course. a very specific point to make okay, great. about that question. Look at that. that. I'm reading your mind. I know. Crazy, right? Did I you remote, remote view viewed you. Yeah, totally. Right. You remote viewed me, yeah. As I was listening to this on Friday, totally remote viewed you. So another connection is Karen Moss and the Matrix and Art and Ed talk about the Matrix right here. I wanted to give you a piece of trivia I think you'd appreciate. You know the term Matrix yes. for which the popular film series is titled? Of course. You know that that term was actually lifted by line, Hollywood line producers from our, our radio interviews years ago? Is that so? Mm -hmm. They admitted that to you in the process, I presume, of the movie making. I was hinted that, yeah. They created, invented the term Matrix, Angelo. Did I you know didn't that? know that. The, like, the Wachowskis, were they listening to... <laughs> Coast to coast actually wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, what there's I know no about tangible them. evidence. Like I'm just googling this right now because I forgot to earlier. Um, now it doesn't seem no. like there's any kind of uh, correlation between that. 
Yeah. So here's an explanation, of course, of what it was remote viewing. According to Ed Deems, not according to the more uh, objective um, brief description I gave at the beginning of the episode. What is remote viewing? Well, it's a, a technique that had its genesis in the deep, dark world of military intelligence. In, in layperson's term, you can think of remote viewing as the trained, and I emphasize that term, trained ability to use the unconscious mind to collect key data, key information about unseen or hidden people, places, things, or events, and then to deliver that information after decoding by the brain up to conscious awareness. So it employs a very, very structured, rigorous, standardized format as opposed to, let's say, a free-flowing process that psychics use. So and where, where actually, Ed, is this information coming from that's well, received? I think the best way to, to conceptualize the where is to think for a moment, think of your brain as a radio receiver and mind as a, a single electromagnetic field. Apparently, everything exists in time-space as patterns of information in this so-called universal mind field. Mm -hmm. If you think of your brain as an oscillator, and it is, by the way, immersed in this field, the part of consciousness, the part that we, we refer to as the unconscious, can direct its attention towards or, let's say, tune into the signal pattern for any target, any person, place, thing, or event. So the remote viewing techniques allow the trained remote viewer to do an end run around creative, creative imagination and to hold this target signal for as long as necessary and return to it as many times as necessary to solve for an unknown problem. And we, we record the information as sketches and, and narrative uh, descriptions. And then, of course, as you talked about before, Angela, the phones. The phones are always problematic here. Okay, move, move away from your phone just a little bit. You're, you're popping your peas. As How's, it were. How's this? Um, do you have another telephone there? I have one uh, close by. How's this? Um, well, you know, it's uh, kind of so-so. I mean, it's not just not the best phone. And okay, I, after the break, we'll, we'll Yeah, okay, good. All right. Are you using a pop filter today, Brian? <laughs> I well yes I'm using like a foam filter sure. Uh, Ed was not using a filter on his phone and Art was really not pleased. No, and, and he was not right. He, said, he might have to beginning. change phones. Yeah, he might this have to change phones exactly. And the thought that popped into my mind was how quaint this is. <laughs> because if this was now, they'd each probably have their own podcast and they'd yeah. be guests on their each other's podcast. A, yeah. a decent. Not expensive setup can set you up real good. This is why podcasts, podcasters just do it better. Exactly. So here's an explanation of why Ed claims that the Army or the military stopped its, its remote viewing program. And I'm also going to play this um, with a question Art also asks Ed, which I find very interesting. But had you had a success rate that was amazing... Uh, nobody can understand how they would have ended the program. Uh, we didn't period. have a success rate that was amazing. We do now. A matrix intelligence agency for which oh. I am. What was it then? Uh, it was it. It was anywhere from forty to sixty percent. That's still very good. When you're talking about random events, describing a gas canister on the other side of the world, that's damn good. But it scared people. Are there was never a moment, Ed, where you and your team uh, decided to target some of your own bosses or their interests? Against the law, Art. Well, of course it's against the law, Ed. A lot of things are against the law. I, I... Art, you know, we were, we were professional military officers, and there's, a, you know, there's not a code of ethics right there. There's just ethics, pure and simple. Just ethics. Did you ever spy on your bosses? Oh, no, never. That goes against our ethics. I don't know about that one.
sir. I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, if he could, I wouldn't put it past him that he did. Right. And so I'm going to talk about the ethics of remote viewing later on, too, once again, because it's a recurring okay. topic in different ways that I don't think they realize that is happening during the episode. Um, but then, of course, there's more problems, Angelo. More well, technical problems. Yeah. He, I mean, first he says fear is what ended this program, right? In terms of project, was it Project Stargate, right? Yeah, Stargate. Okay, another movie. But now it is on a new phone. And to my ears, it absolutely sounds worse. He sounds worse. He sounds quieter. Absolutely. More pee popping. Yes. Can you hear him? Like, <laughs> I'm curious to know if you'll hear my peas popping because I have a pop filter on this. It helps. Yeah. And then, of course, um, Art asks Ed all about some extracurricular activities that he undertook while also in Project Stargate. I had I had my team take a look at UFO Enigma, which I was uh, very fond of as a, as a personal pursuit. That would rate right up there. Uh-huh. And I looked at uh, something over the horizon that was uh, darkening the skies, literally and figuratively, that was very big. And I wanted to know what that was. So, yeah, have you ever looked up UFOs? Yeah, of course. Of course he has. Not a huge surprise there. Well, why wouldn't he, right? It's a, it's a source yeah. of inspiration for him, a source of uh, maybe some money in that... Ed does this so that he can make money off something that really isn't a valid sort of a career. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say that for later on. Oh my god! I'm like, see how much I yeah. remote viewed you? Is I if remote only viewed read the all the end. notes I put down? I did. And you don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. If I did. did, but I, I don't just know. don't remember. I don't retain anything I remote viewed. Speaking of very thorny questions, Art asks Ed how many successful students Ed has. And how many of your students uh, would you say have turned out in the end to have more talent for remote viewing itself than even you? You know, that's hard to answer because the training techniques over the years have improved them so much, Art, that I don't know how I would have performed had I had availed myself of those self-same techniques 20 years earlier I've been teaching. I love this answer, this non-answer of, well, I can't tell you because, you know, techniques are always evolving, right? So I'm not quite sure over time how that looks like. That is such a cop-out of an answer. He he has a lot of prepared answers. And when asked about um, Ingo Swan, who did teach Ed, correct? I, I believe he did. And he said they're running rings around Ingo Swan, his exact words. And uh, but the, Ed does call him the no, father. No, yes, sorry, of yes. So before I forget, uh, it, uh, it just clicked. Yes, Ingo Swan uh, and Hal Putoff, who of course is part of, of or was still is part of To the Stars Academy, um, specifically created the Stargate Project. Okay, Hal Putoff is that old? Yeah, yeah, dude. Wow, we talked about this. Yeah, I you know, always I, get surprised I, at how old he is. I know, I keep forgetting. But like he calls he's him eighty-seven the, years old, my friend. Wow. So anyway, he called them the father of viewing. And he also said he's the best natural psychic, whatever that yes. means. Yeah. So, I mean, like, listen, like you and I have talked about it, and this is, this is essentially a fall. Like, I feel like the brain has many untapped abilities. We only use 5% of it, apparently. That, uh, let's not get into that. 10%? Stupid BS statistic. Yes. <laughs> but I do not feel as though remote viewing is part of the untapped potential at this moment. No. Floating is. <laughs> because, okay, so let's take this as a thesis, right, as a hypothesis. Okay. It is not a repeatable sort of thing that you can undertake. No, it's uh, like a shot in the dark. Like, if you and I and Rob, let's say, the three of us, all were given the same target by our handlers, we would probably come up with three wildly different results. And one of them might actually be right. But not because we were actually able to remove view it. It's just chance. 
Yeah. Given enough of an idea of what we're looking for. Enough psychic typewriters and enough monkeys will write the story of the crop circles and the UFOs. So, of course, Art then asks him about the UFO enigma, and he gives another kind of cagey answer. Collectively, uh, with regard to the UFO enigma, what would you say? I think it's just too much to say, Art. I wouldn't know where to start. Angela, we finally get to talk about crop circles, right? So this is the thing. So the kill shot and crop circles are kind of intermingled together. Angela, would you explain to our audience what the kill shot is? Kill shot, one word. Solar flares. Our sun is doing it again now. Uh, We had a period earlier in the year that was historic. We had a sun flare that knocked it everything right off scale it was so gigantic they're still measuring the echoes uh, out into the cosmos of this event it was so gigantic we asked you about that you said yes it was the shot over the bow which you said was coming two weeks prior I'm yeah sure. yep and, and that's right you did and there's that's one for the history books believe me and now uh, the sun is unaccountably at it again. I mean, one X, 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 X flares, um, and these giant spots suddenly coming around on the sun when we're on the downside of the cycle the way we are. Really weird stuff, Ed. Solar flares that would destroy the world. I was really surprised to hear that this whole kill shot thing was solar flares. It was not something I was expecting. And there we go. Solar flares, which let's say it right here, are an actual danger to us. Yeah, but the the notion of a kill shot, right? No. And it being imminent and things to look out for ahead of time for the kill shot. Yeah, that's not something you can predict. Worst case scenario with the solar flare for us right now is some sort of, I believe it's called a Kensington event, right? Where it knocks out pretty much all technology. It's like an EMP. It's an EMP. It's an EMP, yeah. And so, of course, what do the what do the crop circles have to do with that? Info? The crop circles uh, are the crop circles the doings of those same beings. Are they the doings of UFOs? How do what are crop circles? They are produced by an alien agency for all intents and purposes. Ones that we've talked about on your show for the last seven and a half years. They are produced by an uh, an other than human agency. Uh, um, all right. And their meaning is not in their form. They have no message except for one thing. The meaning is in the location because the locations where they are produced are survival zones or what's coming. Well, the crop circles are pointing the way, I believe, to where to, to go. safety zones. Yes, yeah. to protect yourself. And that's why there's so many crop circles that they talk about in the UK, but there's a lot here in Canada as well, too. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, this is where the first Dr. Doom prediction happens. So my favorite description is kind of like, this is how things are going to go. Star Trek style. Very little protection uh, for the Earth should there be a large sun eruption directed toward us, uh, perhaps of the magnitude that that you called uh, the shot over the bow, something like that, directed at us at a, a moment of weakness in the magnetic field. Not good. Well, actually, I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think what's going to happen is we're going to get, it's like the Star Trek, uh, the, the Enterprise. It's going to get hit uh, 
by Klingon torpedoes to the point where the shields come down. Every time it gets hit, the shields go down a certain percentage, right? That's true. It depends. That's Actually, what's going to happen. How, how do you mean Star Trek style, though? Well, he, he says that these flares are going to hit us like Klingon torpedoes, and our shields will go down. Exactly. I, I love that he was using the whole analogy of Klingons, and I don't even think Klingons use photon torpedoes, or do they? They do. Remember, they're Klingon warbirds? Okay, okay. Just, just making sure. Yeah. So then, of course, here comes the real kill shot, Angela, the thing that I believe in most. I, I finished, I finally finished this, this kill shot DVD, and I put all the details in that. I made it real professional, and I made it real cheap, so that as many people as possible can get that. A kill shot DVD. Yeah, I finished producing it. It's, it's being shipped now. I put all the details, everything that over the last 20 years, double-checked and triple-checked, put the details into that DVD. The people right. that get that, pass it on to your friends and loved ones. Which is that Dr. Ademes, the real Killshot here, is, of course, the uh, DVD that he's showing, the Killshot DVD, which I've included a link to to an eBay listing for, right? So what I want you to do, Angela, is I want you to click on the second drawing, or the second picture there. Okay, second picture, yeah, the case. An event is coming, so catastrophic, okay. Okay, so I want you to look at the bottom where it says 2004. Look at the runtime for this one. And, the, and so keep in mind, folks, he's selling this for twenty three ninety five. It's uh, more than a dollar per minute. It is a 23-minute DVD, my friend. With commercials. With commercials. So then if you look at the last one where he, uh, the case is open, of course, there is a pitch there for remote viewing for um, Ed James's four-disc DVD set, which is the one that I was working off of. And you spent a lot of money on that? I absolutely spent hundreds of dollars on it, for sure, Angelo. Not even, you know, kidding. But yeah, so this is the real kill shot, my friend. This is where the magic happens. And we're going to talk more about the um, financial incentive that Ed Deems has to do things. Did he ever yeah, mention the runtime in this episode? I don't think never, he did. Never. Never. Because in my he mind... Just claimed how he, had, he claimed how he had months and months of, like, work put into this. The way he explained it, it sounded like it was a four-hour DVD of some kind. So I just went to LearnRV.com, which is in the Ed Dames uh, DVD insert in the picture. So okay. it uh, redirects me to RemoteViewingMatrix.com, and then it says, alert, we are in our soft civil war. They're coming for your rights. So I guess Ed Dames is going that way, and there's an image of Ed uh, with a picture of uh, Joe Byron over there, too. So that's uh, interesting. So we'll talk about that later. Where you need to go is outlined, uh, again, in the, in the Killshot DVD, and that is, generally speaking, in areas that are demarcated by, historically, demarcated by uh, crop circles. But yes, so the DVD also gives you uh, places to, to go to the safe zone, so the crop circles. Yeah, so there's places uh, in what he calls southern Canada. Like Saskatchewan and British Columbia. I mean, yeah. most of us, most Canadians live in southern Canada because past a certain point, it's too cold. Like we've got a big country, exactly. but our population is in a very small area. Exactly. And also keep in mind that so this is preceded by a shuttle launch being grounded and things like that. So um, once that happens, it's a three-month um, uh, ticking clock. Considering now that there are no more space shuttles... This isn't going to happen anymore. <laughs> Probably not. Or it's very rare. But then my favorite thing is the most fence-sitting comment I've ever heard from Ed Dames. <laughs> yes. Apparently, lots will survive and lots will not. What does that even mean? It's a half-and-half half prediction. 
half, you know, cup half full, cup half empty. Right. Speaking of cup half empty, Angelo, you get another um, piece of tech goes down, cup half empty moment. We have gone yet to a third telephone with uh, Major Dames. Eddie, there? I am. Okay, good. I think and I hope this one will be better. We live in this, uh, I said it earlier, Ed, we live in an era where it's like we've taken a step forward. Everybody's got a cell phone, an easy-to-use phone, and now we broke up the phone company. We've all got little plastic pieces of things made in China somewhere. Yep, they're all made in China. What options does uh, Ed have left, considering he's <laughs> he's used up all the phones in his house? Was this he's one a cordless phone. phone? Yeah. Yeah, is this, like, you know, his, like, safety phone, right? And it's just, it's so funny how they then complain. He wishes somebody would invent uh, uh, an internet phone, an iPhone, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Internet iPhone. Oh, that's a good one. I yeah. applaud you on that one. Yeah, no problem. Double density. And then they come back from break. And then what do you talk about, Angelo? So then uh, The Stand. A, a really good TV movie, I would say, from the... I agree. It, early I, 90s. Yeah, early 90s. I did also watch the more recent one. Oh, the TV show? Yeah, with uh, Eric Northman as uh, I can never remember his actual name, but uh, yeah, the the vampire guy playing uh, Randall Flagg. Who's good at right. that? Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Uh, and then let us talk about the sun. The concept of the sun, Angela. Uh, the sun. Oh my goodness! The articles, and, and there has been a recent article about what the scientists are calling the most active period in a thousand years for the sun. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's certainly correct. Ed's an expert on this thing. He absolutely. So Art says this is the most active period in history, and Ed is like, "Yeah, you're you're totally. Oh man, you're totally right." He feels like he's a sun scientist. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely like a degree of confidence that I'm personally amazed by. Well, that's what it takes to be a huckster, right? Yeah, that's true. It's it's all about the confidence. Aren't they literally called confidence men? <laughs> Exactly right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play three quick clips in quick succession that I want to talk about. So um, the first is uh, how Ed believes the next global skirmish will happen. This, of course, keep in mind is 2004, where we've got the North Koreans ready to do something very interesting that will probably set the stage for a war, and war and warfare will accelerate. And then after that, uh, Ed responds to uh, how many crop circles he's actually looked at that are worth his while, and then what he believes to be um, how valid these, these crop circles are. And, and you really in your heart believe that these crop circles, uh, other than the ones concocted by students, which are no doubt some of them, and, and how do you know which are the real ones and which aren't? Oh, it's easy for us as remote viewers because we can, we can go back to the creation of the circle and either we see some folks in the field Ah, walking around. Ah, ah, well, of the remote, crazy. remote, uh, yes, of those you have remote viewed, Ed, uh, what percentage are real, as in the students or whatever didn't do them? You know, we get a sense uh, as uh, as a team for which ones are real or not. We just, we, we're not going to waste it. Remote viewing is such hard work. Yes. We're not going to waste our time on anything that we even suspect was laid out by, uh, sure. by anybody. And like so? That. But having done that, uh, I, uh, I only remember two. Where we where we put the pen down after 15 minutes of work and said uh uh-uh. uh, because we can tell, yeah I I won't go into technical details but we can tell very quickly that there's nothing in the sky or nothing coming down from above or no, nothing strange. All we have are human beings in a field. That's it, and uh, we back out at that point. 
What is your confidence level in the meaning of these crop circles now? 100%. 100%. Well, you've never been one to downplay your accuracy. You asked me personally. Said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, you asked me personally as, as, an, as an individual, I, and, you know, uh, I'd stake my life on it, so that's what I would do. I might die because I'm wrong, but that's 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 uh, that's the choice I make. My favorite thing is that Ed says he would bet his life that the crop circles are rally points with no evidence whatsoever, right, apart from the remote viewing that he's done. And then he um, is very caged in the answer of the number of, of crop circles he's actually properly remote viewed versus the ones that have been created by high school students, let's say, right? And he keeps saying agencies, but what he means by agency is, is – Persons of extraterrestrial origin working together. Yeah, there was a caller later on that seemed confused about this, but that's right. Yeah, and he doesn't really explain himself very well. And I feel like with Ed Dames, he just kind of spews out stuff, hopes pe people will listen in the moment, and then forget that he was wrong. But then he doesn't expect people will be listening to this twenty years later and having a podcast about it. So the funny thing about that, Angela, is uh, towards the end of our show notes here, I actually did a little bit of digging around. I found a website that was called True or False that actually tracked all of these claims from these Coast to Coast AM um, uh, guests. So we talked about, uh, you know, we talked about Major Ed Dame. So uh, this person has tracked this. So unfortunately, the website is still not up. But like uh, Gordon Michael Scallion, Sean David Morton, like all of the, the, the stars, right, of, of making guesses. John Hogue's on here too. All of the stars of predictions on here being tracked by this one person. Unfair to John Hogue. Of all these guys, John Hogue is John the Hogue, least. Yeah. Like he just kind of tries to study these things. He's not the one making He would absolutely give marijuana. <laughs> sure. Is what I'm saying, right? Um, and then he describes uh, – so, yeah, Ed kind of lays the whole thing out and then um, Art kind of picks up and says, this feels like a Mad Max world. And, of course, Ed feels that this is all consistent with what the Bible says. So is Ed Dames religious? Because now this is no. what I felt like he was kind of sort of leaning towards, so he's not religious. No. But he also believes that there are false prophets in the world. I'm going to play a quick clip here of what those false prophets are. What the biblical prophets thought about something like television, which we now know as remote viewers is the false prophet. <laughs> so how that's what that's yeah, I what guess biblical it is. prophets called television. They said there's something out there that paints a false picture and sets the stage for the Antichrist and it's the false prophet. Well it turns out to be television of all things. Television is the false prophet. Well I can go along with that. Television is the false prophet here, Angela. How do you feel about that statement? TV, man, it's going to ruin our lives forever, ever expanding, always streaming. I wonder what they, uh, I, I, I wonder what Art would think about, like, he'd still be, like, holding on for dear life to cable, right? Like, he wouldn't be a court cutter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The choice of content, like, right? He'd still want to watch, like, Fox News late at night having commercials blasted into his face to, you know, do a reverse mortgage or sell some gold. Exactly. A little bit of that. Um, so Art at that point mentions having seen a video of a cleaning woman who won like $100 million and give that like a sense of hope. So this got me thinking, and I know that Ed Dames has addressed this before, but I'm going to call kind of like BS on this this whole idea of TV being the false prophet and also like just the, the concept of remote viewing in general and how people can win lotteries and things like that, right? Like why don't more successful remote viewers win big lotteries? And the, the truth, the quote unquote truth that Ed likes to espouse is because they have ethics. Right? Yeah, um, right? He claims they have authority, right? But you and I both know 
remote viewers who are practicing, who are buying this DVD set or this online set, right, want to buy into the myth that it works. And it feels like Ed has a very, like, emperor has no clothes situation where no one wants to tell him that he's wrong in a situation where there are like-minded remote viewers. But, Brian, what if they find buried treasure instead of winning a lottery? <sighs> you know where there is a small treasure in California that's accessible and available to us, a lost treasure? A treasure. A treasure. A treasure. So that's well, what that's these guys want to do. I mean, they, they, they need a break. And okay. They said, I, I need a break. We all need a break from the kill shot stuff. So um, we're going to prove remote viewing by finding a treasure. Now, this is truly practical. A treasure. God, that's great. What, what kind of treasure, Ed? It's some gold bars that a man who died uh, stashed away. Nobody knows where they are. It's kind of like the lost Dutchman mine idea. Sounds like, like a lot. An older man hit some gold bars and yes. then died, and nobody knows where they are, so they're, they're going to be ours. This sounds almost like a letter from Nigeria. All right. So, Angelo, I don't know if you know this, but remember when you said you were talking about before about how art seems like slightly annoyed by Ed Dames? Yes. This stashed treasure comment, this stashed, this stashed gold comment, is actually the linchpin of the destruction of the relationship between Ed Dames and Art Bell. One night, I want to say when it was during his Sirius XM days in 2012, he got so frustrated with Ed Dames that he said, you show me that gold. You show me that stashed gold or I'm not having you on again. And has he ever, he never had him on again? He never had him on again. I mean, obviously, Coast to Coast AM, George Nori, a man who does not know how to handle an interview, had him on, no problem. But Art Bell, during his Midnight in the Desert days in 2015, for that five-month period he was doing shows, did not have Ed Dames on and uh, has made multiple comments, including a Reddit AMA uh, that he did in uh, May or June 2015 when he announced this, um, that Ed Dames still hasn't delivered the gold. I love that he compared it to a letter from Nigeria. <laughs> and then I had to also say that it was a joke. Yeah, Ed didn't get it. He did not see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, uh, how Ed wants to target serial killers, which is funny to me because that is the entire premise of the movie that he was just involved in. How strange that suddenly he feels like he wants to target serial killers with remote viewing. It feels like he's almost promoting the movie somehow. Strange, right? Or that he got an idea of how to carry this through. Because my bet is that Ed Deems was hoping that this Suspect Zero movie, which did not do well, would have done well enough to allow remote viewing to enter more of the mainstream, right? So then the idea of Chris Hansening serial killers would then happen. There's an alternate world out there where this movie became a blockbuster hit and Ed Deems got a whole new level of students. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that, right? So one of the more interesting things about Suspect Zero, I don't know if you know this, but they're, uh, one of the uncredited producers on this is uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, there was you had mentioned something about that in the show notes, and I was kind of surprised. But Yeah, because I think he mentions it at 1.2, but uh, in his, like, oh, yeah, I totally helped out. And so to be honest with you, his role in this movie is um, uh, Aaron Eckhart finds, or, like, there's, like, a video or a film being screened, and there's, like, a second of Ed Dames and they're kind of like teaching people. So he's not really much in the movie. No, he's, he is in the in universe, uh, media. He's in like a movie within a movie. Exactly. Right. And, uh, then art asks about another kind of remote viewing tactic that can be used. The one subject that has drawn more moments of silence 
as I've done interviews with remote viewers, has been when I asked about the about remote influencing, and that, of course, the ability to influence somebody else's mind from a distance or uh, even uh, influence a material object with your mind, whatever, rem remote influencing. I've asked remote viewers about it, and they all get quiet for a moment. Can it be done? Yes. Can it? Um, <laughs> it, it? That was the moment. Yeah. Just like that. And then, of course, the DVD comes up, and here's the price. For, uh, they can either go on the web to thekillshot.com the to order uh, this DVD, or they can call uh, toll-free 1-866-607-8439. Okay, at, how, uh, how much is the DVD? $24.95. Angel, once again, the, in, the actual kill shot here is the kill shot to your wallet when you are paying $24 for a 23-minute DVD. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you're going to make some money. <laughs> and then uh, here's a clip of Art discussing how Ed makes money. What, what about those who say, look, he's just out to make a buck, and that's the usual criticism, you know, that gets heaped on somebody like you, turns out a DVD for $24.95. On... Oh, I make my living through my products. Uh, we, uh, our public service uh, uh, work, it comes out of our own pockets. It's all, it's all volunteer. And we refuse to take a reward, period. We take no rewards, and public service work is uh, gratis. I make a living out of, as, a, as an educator, my workshops and my uh, learnrv.com uh, training site. And selling vi uh, DVDs and videotapes and stuff like this and, and the remote viewing courses that you've sold. That is your business. So it is. That's correct. That's my so, so you are out to make a buck. That's right. Well, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. Teaching and selling DVDs, Angela. He's an educator, and that's how yeah. he makes his money. He will never take money from public service. You know, he'll never take money from the public. Uh, uh, what public services has this man rendered in which there are rewards available to him? Finding serial killers. Which I never do think that he ended up doing, Angelo. No, no. Let's talk about bovines. Yeah. Nor milk. The other thing that we saw, and this is circa 1984, 1985, 1986, the other things that we were describing over the horizon were dying babies, human babies. They were dying because what we now know, the reason that we know now is something was wrong with the milk. What was wrong with the milk, and we didn't know this until a couple of years ago, was that there's no milk. It's that there are no cows left. And there are no cows because the cows have died from a disease. And uh, long ago, I thought that was some type of a bovine AIDS. This is 1986, right? Are we talking about mad cow Ed? I, I think that we are. Either that or a uh, bovine uh, tuberculosis art. It's one or the other or a new one, something like that. The point is that it, uh, it right now the two uh, diseases that are paramount in the bovine world are be, uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy with its human, you know, its human counterpart, Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease, mad cow disease, yep. and bovine TB which is uh, a very, very uh, serious killer to bo bovine tuberculosis. Those two diseases and some minor ones that could become major apparently kill all the cows. There will be no more milk. Cows will die of a disease, and he says it's either mad cow or uh, cow TB. 
And he talks about this in the imminent sense. Yeah, he said Mad, Mad Cow was going to escalate. Uh, he's incorrect. Yeah. Also, the moon will not protect us from a uh, kill, kill shot from a solar flare, which is interesting, right? Because what happens if this kill shot comes while there is a partial or full eclipse? We will not be spared either way. With with this kill shot, Ed is basically just saying anything and hoping that at one point he'll be right about something. Well, it's a numbers game. We've talked about remote viewing being a numbers game, right? And the same thing with psychic phenomena. Like, there are some people probably who have, and I would agree with this, that there is maybe a little bit more of a heightened sense of, of psychic powers, but not to the point of, like, a Sylvia Brown or whatever, right? Who, who gets mentioned later uh, in the episode? And uh, so now he, he gets a caller, and it's a big follower of his, and they like him very much. And uh, Ed says he doesn't think people should like him, which is a yes. really weird comment. We've had a lot of space debris, meteors falling to Earth. Does this have anything to do with Planet X? I don't know. I, I don't know. All I'm looking at is events. It's, 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 things are happening too fast right now, and all I'm looking at is those events. And by the way, when you say you like me, you don't know me. I, I like somebody. I'm, I'm not really a nice guy. I sound nice on the radio, but you don't know me, so you don't really don't know if you you would like me or not. Look, Ed, there's plenty of people who hate your guts. Go ahead and take the like stuff when it comes along. It's rare enough. You tell it like it is. You know why I say that, Art? Because I'm beginning not to trust anybody. From what I've seen, this yeah. is what this is how jaundiced I have become from seeing these child killers. So that's why I say that I don't trust anybody after what I've seen. So two things. Planet X is another kind of destructive thing that Ed Dames has been parading since the... I want to say since like 98, right? And this is like six years later in 2004. So that was another thing for a while that Planet X is going to come and destroy us, right? If it's not the kill shot, it's Planet X. And I agree. He says people should not like him. Guess what? I feel like it's almost like a Freudian slip here. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, eventually uh, Art doesn't like him. No, <laughs> that is true because there's no gold, right? There's no stashed gold. And then um, Ed gets asked about aliens, different alien types, and describing them, right? So the caller says, what about the, the Nords, right? He doesn't like that term, the Nords. He's uh, he's seen humanoid aliens, though, in his viewings. <sighs> okay, let us talk about other remote viewers. Oh, some contradictions coming. I, I'm with the caller in a way. In other words, if remote viewing is um, repeatable science, then the remote viewers should, for the most part, agree. They have to be professionals. Lynn Buchanan was one of the three, I was the training officer, Lynn Buchanan was one of three military uh, members of that unit who did not complete my course. They were dismissed by me because they could not adhere to the rigor of the training protocols. So the caller you just heard calls in and says, I'm not quite sure, sorry, no, the, the clip is in response to the caller, but the caller calls in and says, Lynn, who's Leonard Buchanan, who uh, came on early in 2004 on a Coast to Coast AM episode, says Planet X does not exist versus Ed Dane saying Planet X exists, right? So Ed's rationale for why Lynn Buchanan is not an actual remote viewing person is because he did not finish Ed's training. Of course, because Ed is the end-all, be-all to remote viewing at this point. No one. Yeah. And then what happens? Sylvia Brown. That's the mention of hers. And Ed's, Ed, Ed gets really heated about this because he feels like psychics have a big ego. They don't really zero in on anything. They just kind of say things and hope something sticks and that sounds Strange, familiar. isn't it? Yeah. Strange, so, almost prophetic. Prophets are a whole other problem, I guess. <laughs> uh, was Jesus remove your Angelo? A caller might think so. 
<laughs> and then, of course, talking about uh, a space station, right? Yeah, I mean, look, that, does that mean the kill shot is back on the table if we're just talking about the space station and not seeing the space shells anymore? Correct, which is not in anything, really. Uh, here is one way that Major Adin's Dr. Doom got into using remote viewing. My spy days, one of the ways I spied against uh, Russia was through the back door. So uh, I went through, you know, used China to spy on the Russians because they were looking the other way. And also he mentions uh, uh, how other actors in the space use remote viewing. So the Chinese in this case, the Chinese state, is definitely advancing in its remote viewing um, capabilities. The People's Republic of China is moving along by leaps and bounds, including in our sister science, the uh, um, not remote influencing, but, but telekinesis. So uh, that's one of the reasons the Matrix Intelligence Agency was created, was to counter that. And I speak that language fluently, uh, Mandarin. Now, Ed spied on Russia through the back door, and there's a joke in there somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a much more juvenile joke than I think you and I would like to make, but we're going to put it out there for our audience to listen to. Yeah. And then uh, Art mentions... Uh, Ed remote viewing Satan. So I actually listened to that prior episode, right? So um, he decided post Columbine to review to, to remote view Satan as a way of understanding evil. And then he talks as if he had a one, he has a one on one relationship with Satan chasing after him. That episode was utter garbage, like worse than this, I'd say. And it's fantastical elements. Of course, it makes for great radio. Art and his listeners are thrilled, but like this is truly trash. And then a caller calls in and talks about how a canister will come to Earth, bringing a fungus to destroy the crops, which is like, you know, um, uh, there's like a dozen science fiction movies like that. Yeah, isn't that one of Ed's predictions, right? Yeah. An incorrect yeah. prediction. Exactly. So and then, the cows are gone, wheat's gone, everybody's doomed. <laughs> Lots will live, lots will not. Yeah. And then a caller calls in and Art has to dump him, right, uh, momentarily because he mentions a specific ongoing abduction case and Amber Alert going on, um, which Ed explains that he cannot do. And, and he then explains how they would find a missing person. So I'm going to put that clip here. Is, is a project of that magnitude, finding somebody like that, only should only be put in the hands of an entire team of remote viewers so that you go to 100% assurance, which you tell me a team can achieve, right? Right. I, I, yeah. It, it takes, for something like that, you need a team of, of viewers that has been trained in the classroom about 120 hours plus a year of experience. Uh, somebody like that can do the project themselves. As a team, they can do it very much. The, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, so it goes very fast. If they, if they learn it through my DVD series, um, learnrv.com, for instance, they, it still is not enough for them. The search problem is our most difficult problem. It's the most difficult. And even working together after learnrv.com, uh, the, the DVDs, the four, four set DVD, it's still difficult without the experience in the field. Well, how are you doing this anyway? I mean, you look at, you find an individual, and then you, what, attempt to describe that individual's surroundings, uh, identifiable things? That well, first we, would, first we would determine whether or not the individual is dead or alive. Yeah. Okay. Then, dead or alive, we look to see where in the world we're at. Are we in, in is, if it's a female, in most cases it is, are we in uh, some Middle Eastern country, African country, and they're a sex slave? Or are we in the Pacific Northwest, 
So we have to establish where in the world we're at and then what region we're at and then what, what area we're at and then where the site is. That's 50% of our work right there. And that is done how? By looking at adjacent objects and recognizable things? I mean, I know... Correct. We're looking at the most significant features. So, for instance, we found uh, the child that we just worked on at that location by uh, looking at the, mo the region's most significant feature, which turned out to be the Seattle Space Needle. Then we had to go down and look at the, the most recognizable feature within, say, uh, 50 miles of the site and that turned out to be the Snake River. Then we go down even further microscopically mm -hmm. and look to see what's right next to the remains of the child. Right. On and on and on. We actually had 17 points, 17 different targets. And this is hours and hours of man hours and I guess woman hours. Yeah, we have one we have one woman on my primary team, Dawn Stoltz from Virginia Beach. So, uh it's yeah. It's it's uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours, yes. So the reason they can't do an error alert is because it takes hundreds of man hours to find a missing person. And he doesn't, he only remote views children, not adults. In the, in the missing person's case? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. You look puzzled. He's just, he's an enigma, this Ed guy. So the strange thing is, he won't do an Amber Alert, right? Which if he assembled a larger team would take less time but he has no problem remote viewing show killers in theory right based on the supposed success of suspect zero which is, i'm kind of believing is the lead domino of him trying to pivot in that way and then abandoning it when the movie doesn't do as well right because i don't think he brings this up afterwards um yeah i don't know either like it's a weird double standard or angelo remote viewing is fake you don't say so i have we have two eBay listings in the show notes. The second one I found really interesting, and I wanted to get your uh, take on this one. So it's a it's a map. It's a map that someone bought from a 2014 seminar that Ed gave, and it's all about the kill shot survival zones, Angelo. And it's in very good condition. No creases, never placed on a wall because he never needed it. So if you take a look at the Canada one, it seems like the corridor between Edmonton and Vancouver is kind of green, and then Montreal's not safe, but just above. Montreal is okay. No mention of Toronto. It's really hard to see the colors, though. I know. They're, they should have picked a lot of a better... Um, apparently a lot of red here, so most of Africa gets destroyed. Most of Russia gets destroyed. Australia, except for one of the coasts, gets destroyed. Um, this is a problem. A problem. And also, I love the idea here that this is a superimposition of... Uh, there's, like, a symbols for uh, nuclear power plants, too. Yeah, and there's... Very important to have. There's areas where uh, he hasn't been able to find data and stuff. My, my other favorite thing, too, is that the, this is uh, entitled the Kill Shot Survival Zones Map Version 1.0. I mean, he's going to keep working on it through, through his remote viewing and all the information. Has Ed Dames commented on the Kill Shot in recent years? He probably has, but I haven't bothered looking it up because of the fact like it's so it's muddled. Because all the things he discusses are enclosed time loops that everyone seems to forget about. Yeah, except for us. And this is why we go travel back in time <laughs> to 2004. The worst thorn in his spine. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that Ed Dames will find this episode? No. He won't. He cannot remote view us, Angela. I've, can't, I'm, I've placed a circle protection on both of us. Can we have him on, but he has to use a phone? Oh, yeah. It's got to be a house phone, too. Yeah, and we'll have to record on our end. I don't want to see him. End. I just want to hear him. We'll have to record on our end. 
I'm very curious about this soft civil war that he's peddling now. I'm very curious because, like, every couple months the messaging changes, right? And that's the smart thing is that you don't um, leave enough time for your public to realize what is happening before you tap dance and pivot to the next subject at hand, right? Yes. I mean, that's what you have to do as a huckster. Yeah. Uh, find a new target, move on, and then uh, build from there in theory, and then hope that no one asks, even though the, the internet is, you know, uh, time immemorial, right? It, it kind of is like time independent. It exists. It has a long history of what you've been up to. Nothing goes away on the internet. So, Angela, how many underground bunkers out of five are you giving this episode? Did, I like in terms of enjoyability. Okay. Uh, just enjoyability? Yeah. Oh, close to like a 4.5. It was yeah, I agree. a lot of fun to listen to. In yeah. terms of content, uh, 3.5 because 1.5 of it is complete garbage. Well, <laughs> I mean, f- 1.5 is phone switching, right? That's the 1.5 right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I in terms of entertainment, though, that phone switching stuff was high up there because it's just – I love hearing art get sassy with people. I love it too. Um, I really want to like uh, send you the um, – the Summer in Time file that my wife and I listened to, that I mentioned this last month too, where uh, Art was just, he had like a, if your analytics can talk line and people were just misusing it over and over and he got real heated about that. Yeah. He he has no patience for people, which is pretty no, funny doesn't. as somebody who talks to people every night. Yeah. And is also his own like board operator, his own producer, his own booker, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd say similarly, I'd probably give like a four on five and like a three on five, uh, like fun and then actual. Yeah. So I, let's talk about... Yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to say, like, I, I wonder if if Art Bell was born in, like, 1985, how awesome his podcast would be. That'd be disgustingly good, honestly. Because, like, he had the wherewithal to create a radio station in his trailer, basically. Well, so imagine yeah, how, home, yeah. how easy it would be to just create a podcast for him. Because yeah, I feel what like a podcast, pressure? maybe, you'd hope, but... Because, I mean, his his show picked up, got so many affiliates, he never stops mentioning the affiliates. And <laughs> the numbers keep going up and up, yeah. Exactly. But a podcast, all things considered, is relatively easy to set up. I agree. So I think he would have done great. Angelo, I'm going to make an executive decision about the next episode we're doing. Great. I can't uh, wait. Coast Coast so I am deciding that we're going to talk about Courtney Brown, who's another remote viewer. But what I want to talk about has nothing to do uh, largely nothing to do there's gonna we're, there's a little bit of remote viewing talk but there's also like a much bigger story that i want to tell with courtney brown um and then to those who know you know and to those who don't we'll just have to check out next month i'm really looking forward to this this has been it pretty much right i think there's nothing else to cover here any last thoughts that you want to mention any maps you want to buy any overpriced dvds you want to shill what i like about these episodes again i keep saying is the time travel and not even just using the acme time travel machine just which you've been thinking about ever since it got brought up yes but just being able to go back and listening to this and having some sort of further understanding of how the world works more so than we did in 2004 because in 2004 yes we had the internet we had all kinds of stuff but it wasn't as easy to do your own research and now we all know how easy it is to do your own research <laughs> and do it well or do it poorly. Mostly, mostly poorly though, right? Yeah, yeah, too bad. If people wanted to research about us, Angela, where could they go? Well, they would start at doubledensity.net, which is uh, pretty easy to get to, easy to remember. And there's a form you can fill out, send us a question. You can't yeah. find me on Twitter or X. You can't find me on Facebook. You can't find sure. me on Instagram. No ICQ, 
no aim no msn messenger uh, uh friendster though you can teams send, for work though right yeah. teams you still, for work, you're, you're still one yeah. of the four people who uses foursquare oh you know what i have not thought of foursquare in many years yeah, you have not logged in to a location on Foursquare in many years. Remember, there's an Abraham Lincoln joke there. Foursquare, and many years ago. I'm glad this episode's over. You can also find us on socials over Twitter, double underscore density, as well as Instagram, double density podcast. And as Angela mentioned, you can head on over to double density.net, click on the contact form button, fill it out, send us an email. We love emails. Speaking of emails, double density podcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us any of your thoughts about remote viewing, if you've been remote viewing us, tell us what's up. I think it'd be kind of nice if someone's busy remote viewing us. Send us pictures of uh, you listening to the podcast while you're yeah, doing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But I want, I want like chalk, chalk or like, you know, kind of like a heavy, greasy, like, pencil substance. Okay. Let's do that, right? Perfect. Angelo, I will see you next week, my friend, as you and I head straight underground to our preferred bunker of choice, the uh, tunnels under Montreal's biodome where they handle and hang out with all of the real animals they don't want to let you know about. Birds are not real. 